Taylon Simmons is a writer on Twitter and a content marketing agency owner who scaled his agency to over $500,000 in annual revenue in under a year. Just in the past year, Taylon quit his job as a college music teacher to pursue ghostwriting and growing his personal brand full-time, and he has grown his Twitter account to over 28,000 followers in a year. In this conversation, Taylon and I talked about the struggles he had to go through to get to this point, how much life can change in a year, what it means to become a well-rounded man, and a lot more. This was one of my favorite conversations I've had. We went super deep on some topics I didn't expect to go deep into, um, and I really think you'll enjoy this episode as much as I did. So without further ado, let's jump in. All right, we're live. What's up, Taylor? How you doing? Good, man. Good. Uh, excited. Super nice day out here in Columbia right now. Like I've Dakota walled off, so I can't hear him. Thank God. So you know what? It's a, it's a super good day in paradise. How about how, you, man? I'm doing well, bro. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, how long ago did you get down there to Columbia with Dakota? Dude, I got here a week ago. So like crazy. Cause a lot of people always talk about online business and like freedom and like location freedom in particular. Uh, I was working a nine to five last year as a college teacher while I was scaling my ghostwriting agency. Like I actually worked it until about a month ago. So I grew to 40 K per month while working a nine to five and it was fucked. I'd never do it again. It was like actually brutal. Yeah. And, uh, what really got it started was, um, Dakota one day was just like, yo man, we live in the same city in Kelowna. And so does our buddy Liam Kircher. Why don't we all like meet up? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, let's just go for drinks. And we're like out for drinks and Liam's like, yo boys, I'm going to Dubai. Like, uh, you guys should come like, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're like, uh, I was like, I don't know why I'd go to Dubai. He's like, well, I'm going to go for 30 days. Why don't we get a bunch of like, why don't we mastermind with some online biz owners? And Dakota was just like, he like turns his phone and it shows that he like booked the flights. So then they both <laughs> turned to me and I'm just like, oh fuck. But like I was working a nine to five. So I couldn't just up and leave because I still had to teach. So I went to my work and was like, yo, um, I kind of strong armed them and was like, I might quit if you don't let me go to Dubai for 30 days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, cool, as long as you teach your classes, like go ahead. And that was my first taste of like the freedom. So I went to Dubai, was absolutely crazy living with those guys for like 30 days, just doing business. And uh, Liam convinced me to quit my job, which is why I quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A couple months later, we can get into that story if you want. It was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, then since then I went back to Canada for a bit and Dakota came down here and he was just in our group chat, like every day, like, yo, when are you guys coming to Columbia? Let's get the crew together. Let's get the crew together. Yeah. So I finished my seven day water fast, booked a flight and I got here like last week. Wow, dude, that is, it's so crazy to me how you guys are just like, fuck it. Let's go to Dubai. Like, fuck it. Let's go to Columbia. Like everybody talks about this location freedom and that's why we all want to do online business, but like you're living it, which is crazy. So like a year ago today, like, could you have ever imagined that like, this would be your reality? Like were you when actually, when did you first get into this ghostwriting stuff? So dude, a year ago, like to this day, um, I came back from holidays and my buddy Russ was like, yo, I met this guy named Liam and uh, you need to meet him like right now. Cause I actually was in real estate before I was a real estate investor for like five or six years. So we were chatting a bunch of real estate stuff. I didn't post anything on social media, no Facebook, no Twitter, no Instagram. I was just like, fuck socials. I just didn't use it. 
mm-hmm. um, was one of those guys. So I go and meet Liam and I sit down with him and he's like, Hey, so I'll just be transparent with you guys. Um, I make like X amount of money on just Twitter. And I think at the time, like, I, I think he'd be okay if I shared this at the time, it was like 30 K per month, I think. And uh, he's like, I'm about to launch a coaching offer. And I think it's going to make me like 300 K. And I was like, fuck off. There's no way. I'm like, this just sounds impossible. He like shows us his stripe. He shows us everything. I'm like, how many followers do you even have? He's like 15,000. I'm like, this dude's making like 30 K a month with 15,000 followers, like about to make like 300 grand. Like this is like guru Ponzi, like pipe dream shit. And uh, I really didn't buy into it at all. I thought it was really like weird. And he was like, dude, you have to make me a promise today that you are going to post on Twitter every fucking day for 12 months. Cause it will change your life. He's wow. like, you have to promise me that that's almost a year. Like to the day, actually, it was almost exactly 12 months ago. Um, and I was just like, ah, I don't know, man. I don't know. And then he's like, what do you even have to lose? Like he's pretty good sales. So he's like, what do you have to lose, man? Like, I'm like, Hey, you know what? I'll do it. Whatever. I'll just take a leap of faith. I post a tweet. Um, it was my very first tweet ever. And he's seen it and he's like, yo, that's awesome. You're actually doing it. I love it. He retweets it. And Dakota DMs me when I have one follower and says, yo, do you live in Kelowna? Cause my profile picture was of a place in Kelowna. I'm like, I do. And he's like, dude, so do I like, what the fuck? That's so weird. Yo. And, and like yeah. total fluke coincidence. Right. He's like, yeah. And we chat for a little bit. I think he had like 40,000 followers at the time. He wasn't like as big as he is now, but he was still like quite well known in the Twitter space. And uh, he's like, yeah, keep writing, man. If you have any questions, just like hit me up. I was like, cool. And it just snowballed, man, like three or four months of just like consuming everything, like Modern Mastery from Dan Co, all the stuff from AOP, uh, like all Dickie Bush's content. I just like binged it all for three or four months, hit up another ghostwriter and was like, yo, I want to get good at Twitter fast. So can I write for you for free? And he tells me to fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, no. And I'm like, why not? (laughs) I'm going to write for you for free, bro. And he's just like, well... I don't know. Are you even good? I'm like, send me a couple threads and I'll write them. Next thing I know, I'm doing two threads a day for this guy, which is crazy. I'm just new to Twitter. Like that was a lot of volume for me back then. Like it was hard. There was some nights I was up to like 3 a.m. just like writing this dude's threads. He would have like crazy demands where I would have my phone on and like at 4 a.m. He'd be like, yo, I need two threads in an hour. And I'm like, fuck. I just like wake up. I would grab my laptop from the side of my bed, like quickly throw them together and then go back to bed. Was this all, was this all for free too at this time? All for free, man. All for free. I did not charge like anything for it. And, uh, what ended up happening was I was going to Panama with my girlfriend at the time and I was bored as hell in the airport. It's probably like four or five months into my Twitter journey. And I almost never scroll Twitter. Like most people are like, Oh, you got to be on the platform consuming it. Like truthfully, I almost never scroll on Twitter. Even to this day, I just don't, unless I'm just like doing research for a client. And for whatever reason, this is probably like one of two times I've scrolled on Twitter in the past 12 months. I'm just scrolling and Dakota's like, hey, looking to hire writers, like DM me. And I DM him and I'm like, hey, you probably already filled the spots, but what do you think? He's like, yeah, I might have a spot for you in like a week. I'm like, perfect. I'm going to Panama with my girlfriend. Why don't I hit you up when I get back? I hit him up and he's like, yo, I don't have any spots available, so I can't do it. And I'm like, fuck. All right, well, keep me in, in mind, man. I'd really love to do it. He even says to this day, he doesn't even know why he responded like this. He's like, the fact that I did that is so weird. He goes, you just want to like become a full-time ghostwriter? I was like, yeah, of course. He goes, I could just coach you, bro. Wow. <laughs> he just, 
I never asked for it. I never asked him for anything except to join his team. He's like, I get his coaching. I'm like, oh, have you done it before? He's like, yeah, for two other people. Um, I don't offer it publicly, but like, you seem pretty cool. And I'm like, well, I don't know what it entails. Like, do you want to hop on a call? He's like, sure. And this one, he was with Dan Coe in Austin. So mm-hmm. he's like out for a walk, like with his headphones in on his fucking phone. Like it's all crackly and shit, like yeah. not professional at all. Right. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, man, send me this much money now. And like, here's kind of what I'll do. And then I'll like give you inbound leads for clients. Uh, what do you think? And I'm like, fuck, I'm Canadian. So it's expensive as hell because it's all to USD. So like, you know, mm-hmm. 5K US, like 7K Canadian. So it's like way more for me. But I was like, fuck it. Why not? I just like went all in and like, he coached me over the next seven months while I was working a nine to five and got to like 40 K. And now it's like almost a year later, we just, as of today, hit a milestone of 50 K per month and growing. And I'm just like processing it, dude. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm like looking outside right now and I'm like, this fucking whack. Like I've only been a full-time entrepreneur for 30 days. Yeah. That's it. Like, this is so fresh and new to me. It's so weird. Dakota's like, yo, we should have just stayed down here for like four months. We're like about to go to Panama in two weeks. I got like this venture capitalist. He's like, yo, you, me and Dakota need to go for lunch. I want to chat business. I'm like, what the fuck is life, dude? I, I, I can't even process it. I'm just extremely grateful and like humbled. It's like, I, I don't even know. There's no words, dude. It's unbelievable how much can change in a year. Like, and I think there's such a yeah. valuable lesson in there because by you just taking action and sending that one tweet, it changed your life. And what your friend Mm -hmm. said about like, what's the downside to it? Like, why not? It's so true because like, what's the cost of sending a tweet? The only cost is like being judged by your friends and family and like coworkers (laughs) and stuff, right? That's the only potential downside. It's free to send a tweet. But since you just took action and you were just like, fuck it. I think that's a common theme of a lot of successful people on Twitter. I'm realizing is they just have a tendency to just say, fuck it and just go for stuff. So by you saying, fuck it and sending a tweet, Dakota sees you're in the same town and then he's generous enough to be like, okay, this guy's like local, you know, he, he has like some potential. He seems like a cool guy. I'll just coach him. And now like your life is in a completely different spot. It's, it's so fascinating to me, dude. Yeah, dude, it's, it's crazy, man. It's super fascinating. Like I said, super humbling, still processing it. It doesn't feel like real yet. Mm -hmm. Like I'm waiting to wake up from the dream. Yeah. But man, there's so much you said there that I want to touch on like the whole action like when COVID first hit, I got to experience what it was like to be semi-retired because I was working as a college teacher. They moved everything online and my boss wasn't keeping tabs on me. So he's like, Hey, as long as you get your work done, like, I don't care how much you work per week. I was like, cool. That's, that actually makes sense. So I systemized my job so I could work two days a week and make the same amount of money. So I, Interesting. it's kind of the same with Twitter. It's like, you can batch all your content up front. You can batch your tweets, your newsletters, yeah. et cetera. So you, you kind of had that proclivity to just knock stuff out right away. And real quick, if I can yeah. ask, what college were you a professor at or a teacher at? In Kelowna, it was called the Center for Arts and Technology. So okay. like before I was a college teacher, I was a, a music ghostwriter for EDM. So I worked at a record label and I ghost wrote dance music for like five years. And then I was kind of tired of doing it. I wanted to move into education. So I always wanted to be a teacher. And the college had an electronic music program and it was doing terrible. Like the reviews were awful. The students were unhappy the college like was thinking about closing the program altogether, but the, they were like, Hey, if you can rewrite it from scratch, like we want to scrap everything. It was a 18 month program. We want you to rewrite the whole thing as you're teaching it, which was also fucked. I'm like, why am I, why do I keep playing life on hard mode? (laughs) (laughs) So 
so I like uh, I did that um, teaching business, uh, music business in particular, but also like general business and electronic music production. So I literally taught people how to become like traveling touring DJs, which was like, just, I don't know, it's fuck man. Life's, life just like, it's weird. I don't know. It's weird to even say that. Yeah, that's a wild <laughs> job title. I've never heard of that. And I was going to ask you about that because I saw on your, uh, on your Twitter, like you made a full-time living in music and I know how rare that is. So did that, did that experience kind of show you like, okay, it's possible to go these unconventional paths or like, where does this come from? Uh, I think it actually comes from my dad. So my dad is a, a trades guy. He's a pipe fitter. And when my brother and I, I said my, my one little brother, when we were being raised, he was always like, Hey, if you want to go into trades, you're going to do it because you're passionate about it. Otherwise, I want you to find a way to make a good living doing something that you want to do. He was very big on that when we were growing up. So my brother went into personal training, became like an online fitness trainer. We're probably going to bring him on Twitter pretty soon, actually. We finally convinced him. Let's and go. Then, uh, yeah. <laughs> are you going awesome. to charge him for, uh, for ghostwriting? <laughs> no. I, uh, dude, I probably will do a lot of his writing, but, um, I don't know, maybe I'll do like a rev share on the back end or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be funny. Uh, but yeah, it came from my dad and he was always like, just go for it. He wasn't like the kind of fluffy guy though. That's like, Hey, just go for your passion. Like do like live your dreams. He was very much like, Hey, you can do creative work, but like find a fucking way to make money. Mm -hmm. Like kind of like a hard knocks way of saying, pursue your passion. So I was like, I ain't giving you any handouts. I ain't like paying for your rent. If you want to go and be a musician, you're probably going to struggle and it probably won't work, but I'll support you and you better find a way to make money with it. And I think like, that's what, like, truthfully, I think that's what actually helped me like scale the agency was I noticed that a lot of ghostwriters are even like, are other really good writers and shitty business guys or really good business guys and shitty writers. Mm-hmm. And I found that in music too, like musicians were either, really amazing musicians that wrote some of the coolest music ever but they were so disorganized couldn't like think of strategy and scale couldn't manage a business they never grew or they were like perfect to manage the business but their music was shit and you very rarely find one person that's both and i really credit my dad for being like lean into like creative arts but don't forget to find a way to monetize it so like i did that in music but not to the level of success i would have wanted like dude there was one time I was so broke, I couldn't afford food for three days. So I ate leftover lemons that my friends had there for their, their Coronas. That was all I ate for three days because I, I didn't have any food. I was so broke as a musician. Yeah. So I, dude, I learned the hard way what it was like to go all in on passion and monetize it incorrectly and just like struggle for two years. It was brutal, man. Like, barely paying bills, barely eating. I was shopping at dollar store for all my food, man. Dude, like, that that's, is so, that's so valuable for people to hear, even myself, because I've kind of started to feel this like hustling, like entrepreneur, like not having a lot of money mindset, but that is just to a different extreme. And people will see you now on Twitter, like saying, oh, I, I just hit my f- first 50K month. And they might just assume it's all been easy, but like, clearly it's not. Clearly you've had to struggle and grind and it makes, it probably makes it all the more worth it now that you're seeing this success. It it does, man. It's, I call it like the tipping point, like to be transparent with you, dude, I was so like not conscious in my twenties at all. Like I'm almost 30 now. I'm turning 29 soon. 
Uh, so a little bit older than a lot of the guys on Twitter, but from like 18 to 21, I had such high social anxiety. I couldn't even talk to people. I, I literally took the charisma on command course to learn how to go and like meet someone back in the day when they were like a huge YouTube channel. And like that kind of started to work a little bit. I got into music and like, Oh, that's a whole other story there. But like, dude, I struggled so much with like confidence and just feeling like I was like, just not valuable. Yeah. Like there's this idea that men like aren't born valuable. They have to earn it. And like right. that resonates with my experience as a man, like in my early twenties, when I didn't have money, I didn't have a nice car. I was like living with four or five people, like could barely like pay my rent. Like, I just didn't feel like I was a valuable person. I didn't have any confidence. And then just like struggling for so many years in music and then struggling in real estate, even though I found more success in real estate than I did in music, I have like four or five failed businesses before this. Mm -hmm. And like each failure, it just like made, like reaffirmed that I like wasn't valuable. It's like, I can't do this. Once again, it's like, you hear of all these other people that are successful. You hear of like Dakota or Dan Cohen. They're just like, Hey, just do this. And you're like, okay, well, there's proof that that can happen in the world because you're doing it but I haven't seen the proof that it can work for me. Mm -hmm. And that's debilitating until you have the tipping point. And for me, making my first 10 K on ghostwriting, like was the tipping point where I'm like, Oh shit. Like maybe all those struggles, all the skills, all the books, all the failures actually will lead to some level of success. And like, now that I'm at 50 K, I just remember that, that it's like, man, there was like, honestly a decade of failures before this where I just felt like a lack of confidence and like a worthless piece of crap. So it's, yeah. it's like humbling to remember that. And like, you just got to like wait for that tipping point, man. If you just keep going, like it sounds cheesy and motivational, but mm -hmm. I believe every person has a tipping point where it finally is like, boom, and it starts to work. Right. Cause you just put in these inputs for years and years and you just don't see any results. And then overnight it, now it appears probably do outsiders. And I'd be curious to ask you about like what your peers and family think, but from outsiders, it's probably like, Oh, he's an overnight success or like he just got rich super quick. But what they don't see is that as Alex Hormozzi says, like that graveyard of failures, like for years and years and years. And finally you break through with the success. So what do like, yeah. what do your colleagues, like former colleagues and teachers and like family, what do they think of all this online stuff? So like, I actually, they don't really know about it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like my mom, dad, and my brother, I'm pretty close with, like when I have killer months, like 50 K, like I'll actually send in like a group message to my family. Like just made 50 K this month. And my dad's <laughs> like, what the fuck? It's like, it's fucking crazy. But he doesn't get it. He's like, I don't really understand what my son does. I don't understand how he makes money. I don't know if he's like doing something fucking illegal. <laughs> I got yeah. no idea. He's like, but he supports it. He's like, just because I don't get it doesn't mean uh, that it's not working. And I think in some ways it challenges his beliefs and is uncomfortable for him because, you know, his whole life, he's made like a hundred K a year. He's done quite well for himself. He even made like 250, 300 K at one point too. But to hear like, Oh, my son's making 50 K per month is like at almost 30 when my dad worked, he's like 45 to get there. I think is kind of a weird thing for him. Mm -hmm. My mom's just like, cool. You're not starving. Obviously like my brother's in business. So like I kind of want to elevate him and like get him there too. As for the rest of like my friends and family, like no one knows because no one has Twitter and I don't post it anywhere else. Like I'm very secretive about it. So mm -hmm. my family, like all thinks that they're doing like 10 times better than me, probably, <laughs> uh, which I, and, you know, in some degrees, maybe they are I'm not saying it's like a measuring stick, but they, they yeah. have no idea that I make this much money 
they just know I'm traveling and I'm like doing online stuff. And I, I kind of like it that way. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's nice. Yeah. It is kind of nice to like stay under the radar and there's like this trade-off with growing a following on social media that I've started to feel a little bit and I'm still like really early, but yeah. I was starting to feel like that pressure of like, Oh, people are actually reading my stuff. People are like actually commenting. Like I put out a couple mm-hmm. threads that had gotten some hate and I was like, damn, mm-hmm. like I didn't expect this to actually happen. So then I'm getting all- imposter syndrome and all that. So, yeah. you know, how do, how do you deal with like, gaining these followers and gaining these this traction while also trying to like detach from it and realize that you know it's just an app it's just social media it's not real life okay this is like a really fantastic question i have a couple different answers for it um for one on imposter syndrome i think the only way you can overcome it is just by going through it there's Mm -hmm. no like amount of thinking that overcomes it anyone that says like here's mindset hacks to overcome imposter syndrome i'm like I don't know. I don't think that stuff really works. If anything, you just need a mindset hack that gets you to keep going. But even when I was a college teacher, man, like I became a college teacher at 24. I was almost like, I think there's only a few people in history that became like a college teacher younger than I did. And like, you, I had so much imposter syndrome. Man. Like I was walking in teaching people older than me. It was weird. Yeah. And I'm like, how am I qualified for this? But that really showed me that the value you can give is more important than your age and the results you currently have. It's all about value. So whenever anyone's like, you know, how, like what your question was kind of like, how do you not get arrogant, I guess, about the whole thing? Like, it's just an app. Like, is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah. Or like, how do you detach from it? Because I feel like, you know, it feels like there's so much attention and eyes on you when you're on Twitter all the time. And like, people are commenting, you're in the DMs, like there's so much attention, but then I'm walking down the street in San Francisco, like thousands of people out here, not, not one person knows my name, which is awesome. But when you're in this space, it feels a bit overwhelming at times. So like, how do you deal with that? I guess. Which I think how to explain it without it sounding too abstract. Um, Like truthfully, you're only as good as like the value you can bring to people. And one thing that's humbling is like the mighty always fall. The arrogant always fall in my opinion. So one, like I, even though I'm doing really well right now, like I just hopped on a call yesterday with a guy who runs like a hundred million dollar marketing agency. And I paid him like quite a bit. It was quite a few grand just to ask him questions about where I'm at. I didn't even have any specific questions. I'm like, yo, am I thinking about this right? Like, am I approaching this right? Cause I don't want to be one of those guys that is successful today and is broken two years from now. Right. Like, dude, I have a friend who makes like an insane, he makes like three mil a year. And his business almost went under like four months ago. And he has like a 50% margin. So I'm like, this dude like brings home 1.5 mil a year. And he almost went bankrupt in his business. Yeah, Like that's like, when you just really look at the reality, man, I find any time that we get too high in ourselves, anytime we're like on the shit or we let like everybody who's saying, Hey, like, we really love you. Or like, you're, you're really helping us and stuff. Like, it's all great. I love the encouragement. I want to help people. That's where the focus should go, in my opinion, is how do we just continue to help people? How do we bring more value while also being defensible in what we create and being aware of market changes? So five years from now, we're not starting from zero because mm-hmm. like um, most businesses fail in five years, like most of them do. So right now we're all riding a Twitter wave. And I talked to Code about this with ghostwriting. I think ghostwriting is extremely valuable. I think it's a fantastic wave. It's a great high value skill and it's very in demand. Will it be in demand at the current scale in three years from now? I have no idea. 
So how do we create defensibility? How do we like look forward and say, hey, this is working now, but maybe it won't today. Think about the guys who invested heavily in Facebook ads Mm -hmm. and got creamed, like creamed like three to five years later. Right. We could be those guys. Like I'm thinking of super, I think it's super bad right now where he's like, you know, we could be the mistakes of like the, the, the guys that like the chicks hook up with, like <laughs> yeah. super bad. Yeah, yeah. I like, I'm like looking at all those business owners and I'm like, dude, that guy that had like a hundred million dollar business. And then he was broke five years later. Like, fuck, that could be me. Like, what do I have to think about now to avoid that? Like, yes. I think those are worth putting your focus and attention on because all the people that get really high on themselves, it just seems like they always fall. And I think that's important to remember. 100%. And I felt that in my personal life in terms of like sports, like I had made it to like the top, I made it to like the D1 level, I thought I made it. And when I got yeah. to college, like, I metaphorically got like punched in the face, like, I went from like the best <laughs> player in my high school to like, probably one of the worst players in the college team, and just yeah. could not overcome like these mental barriers and everything. And it was like a huge wake up call that, okay, like my whole life up to that point had been pretty smooth. But then you get to the top and you realize like, holy shit, like I actually, like I got punched in the face. Like I was not ready for the moment at all. And it's so valuable that you say like, you can't ever get so high on yourself because right when you do, that's when everything can go to shit. And that's why I think like practicing emotional control and I've seen your, uh, like your, your profile picture on telegram, I believe is uh, you reading meditations, like and it, it's, it seems <laughs> yeah. cliche, but practicing stoicism, like reading this stuff and just trying yeah. to stay neutral and through the ups and downs, because they're inevitable, but trying to just stay even True. keel is so important. And another thing I wanted to touch on that you said is like, we don't know what ghostwriting will be in five years. And I've been thinking about this a lot. It's like, okay, it's mm-hmm. kind of this, like, there's always been these fads, like Facebook ads, drop shipping, et cetera. So like, what is it going to look like in three years? And like you said, we don't know. But I think something to hedge against that, in my opinion, and I'd love to hear yours, is like creating multiple income streams under your personal brand. Because if ghostwriting goes under, but people still like to listen to you about writing advice, or they like to hear mindset advice, like you can pivot and potentially have a coaching offer. You can launch a podcast. You can do all these things. So is that something that you're thinking about in terms of like hedging your bets with ghostwriting? Yeah. Truthfully, yes, I can, man, there's actually a lot of stuff I can talk about. I literally was on a call with that dude yesterday talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah. So short answer, yes, personal brand is your defensibility, personal brand and platform diversification. So being, but you also want to grow on like one first. That's something to remember is everyone's like, oh, should I be doing LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram? I'm just like, good luck doing it all well. If you're starting out, you won't, you need to like systemize one, then go to the next one, systemize that, go to the next one. And just be like thoughtful about that process. But and yes, personal brand is the way to do it. In terms of like the offerings, I think there's like levels to the game. And when you actually look at most people that become really successful, they tend to follow almost the exact same framework. And Dakota's like, even just with him, and he's like, hey, this is what I'm doing next. I'm like, fuck, even he's following it, even though he might not have known. Is usually it's learn a high value skill and then offer it in a service based way for high ticket. That's mm-hmm. how most people that are making good money always start. Like Dan Co did it with websites. Uh, we're doing it with ghostwriting. Some people did it with like drop shipping. But the thing about these types of things is they're very client heavy. Fulfillment is not always easy. There's uh, quite a heavy time aspect to it in terms of the dollar you can make. 
So the next thing people usually do is they offer it as coaching, which like Dakota with the cohort. And for one, you make way fucking more money. And two, it's a fraction of the time commitment, especially if you can productize and systemize it and do it over and over again. So it tends to go from like service-based to coaching-based to SaaS-based, tends to be the next one or like a true business. Like, I don't, know, I don't want to shit on us ghostwriters and stuff. I don't know if I look at ghostwriting as like a true business. I think it's more like a freelance gig that some people are doing at bigger scales. But what is a true business would be like content marketing. That's a scalable business. SEO is a scalable business. So it tends to be like businesses tend to exist in either like product marketing or uh, what's the other one? Sales would be another big one, like product marketing, sales, like anything that generates revenue. Ghostwriting is essentially uh, marketing. That's like, that's what it actually is. So if you want to turn it into an actual business, you probably become some form of a marketing agency. You know, then there's like sales agencies where you hire out high quality sales teams. Like you would start in service-based sales. Then you would coach people how to do sales. Then you would just take the people you coached, which tends to be how it works, turn it into a whole sales team, and then offer that to businesses for insane amounts of money per month or high commissions. And I think that's tends to be the route that most people take. So it's, you know, whether it's SaaS or like some type of marketing agency, I think ghostwriting gets your foot in the door, gets you the connections. And then you start thinking, am I going to coach people next? I don't think that'd be viable in ghostwriting. I think Dakota is capturing a lot of the market. I think mm -hmm. Dickie Bush is going to tr be trying to get into it. It's going to become a red ocean, I think, in the next little bit for the coaching aspect. Uh, so personal brand, personal brand defensibility, and then figuring out what the next move is and how you monetize. So kind of a long-winded answer, but I hope that helps. No, definitely. And it seems like with every step you level up in online business, you just gain more and more leverage because- at the start, like if you're just a freelance writer, which is pretty much me right now, like my inputs are very closely matched to my outputs. Like I write one right. piece of content and I get one, I get like a certain amount back, but then you start yeah. your own agency and you have people writing under you, you gain a little bit of leverage, like in a business, then you right. build your own coaching offer, more leverage. You build a software that can work for you behind the scenes when you're not even actually working more leverage, you build YouTube. So I think it's all about right. just gaining leverage over time but it's extremely yeah. hard to do at first. But the ultimate form of leverage, and Dan Coe is the, like the greatest example of this, is like his personal brand. Like yeah. just through his name and just through his courses, like he's making $100,000 months in his sleep. Like he doesn't even yeah. have to do anything. And there's people recurring in Modern Mastery subscription-based, buying his courses. Like he, yeah. he's figured the game out. So I think it's like, like you said, you have to start with one narrow thing, whether it be Twitter Instagram, whatever. And then you figure it out, you get a following and then you branch out to more. So for right. me personally, like my, my tentative roadmap, and it's obviously mm -hmm. subject to change is like, okay, Twitter, ghostwriting, reinvest the ghostwriting into like podcast, YouTube, create leverage that way. Um, yep. But I'm curious, like in, in, for you, like, do you have any plans in the next year or so in terms of like, what's the next step? Tons, tons, man. Um, so right now with the agency, I'm actually trying to remove myself from the day-to-day -day a lot with right. Ghostly and uh, to go into higher forms of leverage. Like we have 21 clients right now. It's fucking retarded. Like it's insane. Sorry. I know some people don't like that word, but uh, <laughs> that habit. <laughs> no, okay. We're not, I don't really care about being politically correct over here. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just insane. It's a lot. It's a lot of time commitment to get to the level of scale I'm at. 
and I'm working on, I call it the Warren Buffett is basically as you grow, you get less in the day to day and you become more of a decision maker where you're paid for your thoughts. Right. So right now, let's say you start ghostwriting, you have to do like ideation, hooks, write the content, like all that stuff. Right. But the real high level or like important aspects that are less replicatable by other people are your ability to source the right idea and your ability to write a killer hook that gets engagement. Like that's really it, right? Yes. Like those are the two highest leverage points of ghostwriting. So yes. what I'm trying to do with the agency is say, when new clients sign on, like I will do the ideation and I will help with hooks, but I even want to hire people better than me at writing hooks. I think I, I, as far as like the writing goes, I think you're probably even already a better writer than me. I, I'm not actually like that good of a writer in my opinion. I'm just good at business. So like that's just me being transparent. Like most ghostwriters, I think are better ghostwriters than me. And I would like wear that on my sleeve. I'm not going to like try to de delude myself. I because just think that I've it's been not about, yeah. yeah, it's not about writing necessarily. It's like most of ghostwriting and running an agency is running the business. Like the writing, so many yes. people can do the writing. Yeah. Yes. Like why is there so many writers and very few people with like good writing agencies, right? Yes. Like that's an interesting question to think about. So I think like getting better at the headlines and just doing that. So for the agency, it's like, I have people that handle operations, maybe sales, but I actually don't mind doing the sales aspect. So I might still do that. It's also good to connect with the clients in that way. It's good network. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to just remove myself as much as possible so I can focus on personal brand. That's going to be the biggest thing is personal yeah. brand. I'm going to try to grow on Twitter to hundred K this year, hundred K on LinkedIn, just focusing on the written platforms. Uh, I want to launch a community. I'm not hundred percent sure how it's going to look yet, but that is something that I really like because I think Coming from being a teacher, education comes more naturally to me now. I have seven years of experience as a college teacher. I'd like to move more into education in a valuable way. And if you think about community, it is extremely good money for the time commitment. So that's me like looking at it from multiple angles, right? Yeah. Uh, after that, like I'm trying not to think too much further because as doors open and as I meet more people and as I learn new things, I don't know what I'm going to want to change and how I'm going to want to pivot. Like even yesterday, my call, like I pivoted, like maybe like, like that much after doing one call with someone who's like 10 steps ahead of me. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I think we should just be focusing on the next steps while like casually thinking about the future and like having some ideas, but like not really thinking about it too much until it's time to make that action. Right. Because you can't see like 10 steps in the future. You wouldn't have been no. able to see like a community as a possibility or even a hundred K personal brand as a possibility. Had you not just wrote that first tweet on Twitter a year ago, like you can't, you wouldn't have even been able to perceive these things as being a possibility a year ago. But since you just took yeah. consistent action, then these, like these new doors open and they appear where you never would have even imagined. Um, but for your community, like, were you thinking, like a business community, a writing community? It's a great question. Cause I'm thinking about what's the unique value proposition, right? Yeah. Like what, yeah. what would, there's already modern mastery. That's very much like online creator business, health and all that kind of stuff. You know, like Dakota might launch one, like who knows? I don't know if he will, but like if he did one, it'd probably be like a ghostwriting one. You know, like there's so many other creators. Like I think Ben Merrick said he might launch one. Like uh, he used to be art of life. He's got like yeah. a big account. I don't know what it would be on, but it's, like at some point you got to ask like, okay, if all these people are just doing like online business, like what's the USP. And I think what like my, the idea I have now that is subject to change is I would love to take everything I've learned about like business scale 
and all of that and just deliver it in a really easy to understand way and just get a community of people together that are just interested in like scaling and growing and make it more high, like high level. Like at Dan Coe's like Modern Mastery is five bucks and it's great for people to get into. Mm -hmm. I might make mine like entry level 150 bucks a month where it's like, hey, I'm going to get less people, but I just want like the killers in here that are all scaling. You know, I, the amount, like, I write for four people in the Forbes 30 under 30 and every week I get to interview them and they teach me like so much shit, man. Like it's, that's what people don't talk about with ghostwriting. That's the actual value. It's not in writing. It's learning from the people way more successful than you are every week. It's crazy. So like, I want to take all of the things I learned from them and like share that in the community. Cause that's something that most people can't do. Most people don't have access to those people. They can't share those lessons. Right. You can gain access to these type of people through ghosting. That is crazy that you have four people in the Forbes 30 under 30. I obviously you can't share who they are, but that is, that is fascinating to me. And that's the thing about like starting an online, starting a personal brand online. It just opens doors to new connections that would have never been possible. Like had I not started this podcast or writing on Twitter, I would have never connected with you. I would have never connected with Dakota. And like three months ago, I remember looking at Dakota's profile, like this was the guy to emulate, like, and to think like I would actually just be able to like casually text him and like we're we're working on things together now it's like it's just mm-hmm. unbelievable like the doors that can open up if you just take consistent action it's it's exciting yeah dude it's really crazy it's the network effect is the craziest part of the ghostwriting it's not the money the money's good the money basically gives you the first step out of the matrix is what i would say yeah that's what it is it's you're not out but the ghostwriting money gives you a piece of the freedom which is the location freedom the time freedom is the next aspect. Like I'll ask you, yeah. how much free time do you want to have per day to work on whatever you want? Dude, like ideally I would love to be able to work like for three or four hours, like deep work in the morning, kind of like Dan Co. And then the rest yeah. of the day, just like read and just go on walks and just like let my yeah. curiosity wander. How about you? Right. Pretty much the same, man. Pretty much yeah. the same. Like I you know, I just posted like my first thread today that I've written in basically like six months. Like I, I was so busy with the agency and working a nine to five. I didn't get to focus on my personal brand. Like, I don't regret that because the agency has been great. The money's been great, but I probably left like 30 to 40,000 followers on the table from not yeah. being consistent with threads. And it, it was just a matter of focus, right? You can only focus on so many things. I have to, I'm grateful for where I'm at. So I can't look at it as in, um, what is it? Uh, a scarcity mindset, right? Yeah. Yeah. But similar to you, like when I wake up in the morning, I get the most fun and fulfillment from being like, you know, what am I learning? What is fascinating me? Like, oh, I want to write about that. I want to explore that. I want to put it in a newsletter. I want to shoot, make a video about it. That shit like gets me excited. Yeah. And right now I'm working on my agency like nine to 10 hours a day. Yeah. So that like location freedom, great. Finances, doing better than I've ever done. Time freedom, not good. I don't like there's ways to get it back. I can hire an ops manager and I can remove myself a little bit, but that depends on the quality of person I can hire. Mm-hmm. So if I can't hire someone quality and pay them what they're worth, I can't retain them and I can't get quality talent. Right. So my ability to do the ghostwriting agency and buy my time back is dependent on the amount of money I can pay a quality person and create a culture fit. So they want to stay long-term because otherwise I'd remove myself. And if they quit, then I need to like hop back in and I lose all my time again. Yeah. So you've already kind of answered the question, the true 
time, location out of the matrix freedom is personal brand. It's the only way to do it. Um, aside from scaling something really big and having heavy amounts of delegation in a market that is resistant to change over a long period of time. Like if, if you really think about it, like it's, it's really the only way, like I, I know like Sahil Bloom makes like 5,000 bucks per newsletter. Yeah. That guy's, that guy's killing the game. He's killing it, man. And like, that's just from like people in my network. I could be wrong on the numbers, but that's what I've heard. And he sends two a week. So you got to think like this dude's making fucking 10 G's a week off of an hour of work. Yeah. Fuck man. That's crazy. That's the game right there where mm -hmm. you wake up and you're like, I'm covered just from sending a newsletter. And then someone pays you to like go on a podcast and then, you know, people pay you for ads and you're just like creating content that sounds like the, the best amount of freedom. So I'm, I'm asking myself right now, or the, if you're talking about the next year, what am I planning? All I'm thinking about is how do I get the lifestyle that I want and the location freedom for the least amount of time put in. Right. And that's what I need to do. Yeah. That's, that's the next step. Yeah. And one thing that I think, I'd like to hear your take on this. So we're learning about this in school and this is kind of a benefit to being in school. I, I hear about like actual business startups and stuff, especially in this entrepreneurship yeah. program. And um, a CEO of a startup here in the Bay was talking about how like Netflix sacrificed a little bit of profits in the present moment to build for the future. Whereas like Redbox yeah. made all the money at first. So I kind of want to relate that, that to ghostwriting. Like, is there a possibility in your mind that like it's smarter in the long run to sacrifice a little bit of the client work for ghostwriting? Maybe don't scale it as much as you possibly could because you can always take on more clients, but then it's more time. So like, what if you cut that in half and then use that other half of the time to build the personal brand for future? Because the personal brand will last your whole life. The ghostwriting might only last a couple of years. Precisely. You're thinking about it the right way. And that's essentially what I'm doing right now is I'm like, what clients can we drop? What clients should we double down on? Like there's some clients that we have rev share with. Like we made one client half a million dollars in 30 days on Twitter. And so then I was like, holy shit. Like I can ghostwrite for someone for even like 10K a month and have like a 60% margin, 40 to 60%. But what if I just like did rev share and made someone 300 grand at 30% rev. Yeah. Like now we're talking fucking good money. Like, and now it's like for amount of time put in, like, what if we just had three or four of those clients? Like, obviously there's other things to think about with that, that we don't have to get in the weeds on with like, how long will those clients stay? Like, do you have solid contracts? Uh, will they just leave you and like go to a different model once they make a bunch of money? Cause then they, they don't have to fork out 30%. There's a lot of like factors to consider there, but you're thinking of it the right way where it's, you kind of go all in and you sacrifice a lot of time in the short term. And then you start to ask yourself, you know, what scale do I want to hit? And that's such a good question. Such mm -hmm. a good question. Yeah. Because you can always bigger... chase more, right? It's like, Oh, like I'm seeing these numbers. Like I just want to keep getting more and more, but like, when is, when is enough enough? And that's a crazy question to ask given like you were eating lemons like three years ago or some shit, right? Like it's like, yeah. how much is enough? that's exactly it and it's different for everyone right like everyone has different goals like i got this one friend who he just like loves power and growth and money like he wakes up in the morning and he literally is like time to grab a fucking bag like let's make some coin and like it's it's authentic to him like it's not like he's not some like evil dude or like some person with bad values like that just fires him up so he scales and scales and scales and he wants to like 
sign for acquisition.com and like scale with Hermosi. Like that's his goal. And he's like so passionate about it. Yeah. I've scaled my agency to 50 K and I'm sitting here and I'm like, I don't know if it's worth it to go any further. I'm already thinking that I'm like, we have the resources and the clientele to get this to hundred K, but I don't know if I'm willing to pay that cost. Mm-hmm. I don't know if those sacrifices are worthwhile for the life I want. Like, I, I don't think that's the right thing to do. And another thing to consider is that as you scale, you always take on more risk. Cause if like team members leave, like then how do you continue to fulfill? You have to train. It takes a while to train people. Can you create the culture fit? So people don't leave. Like, man, I've had two people, three people leave my team just to like sign in Dakota's cohort. Right. Yeah. Like I, I, I took the time to like nurture some of these guys from the ground up. Like they had almost no followers when I started, like took the time to train them, like get them good, make them priority writers. So like my three best writers just left my team. So like, think about that, you know, yeah. like when people just say like, Oh, just delegate, get your time back. And then you're like, good to go. It's like, well, for how long? Like it, the people talk about like doing it once people rarely talk about sustainability. Mm-hmm. So like, those are things to consider too. So like the, the risk to profit to time, I think everyone needs to like sit on and think like what vehicles are going to give me that where like, how does that work for me in the lifestyle that I want? It's a very interesting question. A very valuable question to ask, I think. Yeah. And it, it's interesting how like, there's just so many levels to this shit, dude. Like three months ago, <laughs> yeah. I was basically like, okay, how do I even make my first like dollar online? Just trying to figure that out. And now I'm trying to figure out like, okay, I need to sign my first client. And then there's just levels mm-hmm. to this game. Um, but something that Naval talks about is like, getting so good at the game that you can step outside of the game. And that is what is so appealing to me. It's like having complete time and location freedom. So like, I don't know, you're, you're 28, you said, so let's say like 10 years from now, like, let's say you have your money and everything. Like, what does your life look like in your mind right now? I don't know if it's the right question to ask because it's too far out. Right. I like, I like where the question comes from. I just don't know how valuable it, it really is with things changing that much. Like when you think about how much stuff can change in a year, it's interesting to ask that question. And, and like things change and you adapt, man. Like here, here's the thing. When I was working as a college teacher, I'm like, dude, if I make 10K a month, I'm like good. And now I make 50K a month. And I'm like, how do I grab 100K in 60 days? Mm-hmm. Like you just start to like, you just adapt to it. And it's not a bad thing. You do have to know like when enough is enough, but it's uh things just change like passions change like I never thought I would really enjoy traveling that much I was like I'm more of a homebody and now I'm out on the road and I feel more inspired than I ever have so now my vision is completely different mm-hmm. right like I think looking one to three years out is really good I know like some long-term goals like I would really love to have a family I would really love to be present with my family like do a bit yeah. of backstory here my dad uh sacrificed a lot for my brother and I he worked a lot and I, my mom told me this one story where I was maybe like two or three years old and my dad had to miss my birthday. And uh, I didn't understand back then because I was so young. He called from work. He was out of town and he says, happy birthday. And uh, I didn't even talk to him because I was so mad because he wasn't there. Yeah. Like that story really hits me hard when I hear that. And I'm like, fuck, when I have kids, like, am I going to do that to give my kids opportunity? Am I not going to be there for their birthdays because I want them to have a better life than me? And because I want to like provide like a stable household or am I going to leverage what I have, the knowledge and the expertise? And am I going to like actually be present with my family and with my kids and like with my future wife 
so I can work four or five hours a day and then go for that walk with them and then go like to the pool and swim and, you know, yeah. go take them and like do these exciting things. That's about like as concrete as my vision is in the future is family is really important to me. And I would love to be more present with my family while still providing them with an incredible life and like having financial resources. Mm-hmm. So how that looks will probably change as I meet new people and I learn new things and the different levels of the game, like you were saying, at first ghostwriting is the goal. Then you're like, fuck, maybe rev share, then maybe content marketing agency, then maybe personal brand. It's like, it just always changes. Mm-hmm. But uh, that overarching goal of the time freedom and like being able to be present with my family, I think will always be there. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful yeah. perspective to have. Like the specifics are obviously impossible to know, but the general overarching like lifestyle is is something I think about a lot. My dad was the same way. Like he he worked his ass off for years. Like he he grinded so hard for my family. And I guess I'd never really put it into perspective until now that I'm older, like how much our parents sacrificed for us. And so you right. can like the great thing now is like, now that I'm starting to realize this, it's like, okay, like I want to be there for my kids just the same way. And, you know, I, we can't really have the perspective of what it's like to have kids until you have kids, um, obviously, yeah. but I can yeah. only imagine it's got to be like the most meaningful thing in your life. Like when you're chasing all this stuff, like at first, like the meaning comes from the money or the time or the freedom. But once you have that family, like that's got to be, that's got to be the ultimate pinnacle of your meaning as a human honestly it's 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 instant purpose right it's very purposeful one thing that that uh, you know talking about naval he has this really good quote and he's one of my biggest inspirations i've read the almanac like 12 times it's just so fucking good man it's i couldn't even put it down it's so good i just Um, keep rereading it like every couple days i I just can't stop like it's on my kindle i just read it every night before i go to bed just like these concepts just ingraining them in my head over and over but yeah continue Dude, exactly it's so good yeah. so good so dope that you love it that much too he has this one um idea that it's easier to go like through a desire than around it yeah i think it's a very important concept like um any desire that we have that we try to like tell ourselves we don't need will always haunt us and we'll like we, we can never like get free of it but once you get the thing you no longer like need the thing this dude dakota just walks in here and starts taking his clothes off all dramatic like he's stripping <laughs> for real that actually just happened i'm yeah, not boy. surprised <laughs> yeah boy uh but it's you know with going back to that like desire it's like oh, the money you want a podcast you want a podcast bro this is going on youtube right here <laughs> it's going on youtube man shirtless yeah. dakota there you go He's about to go for his walk and gym sesh. Otherwise, he owes me 200 bucks. <laughs> oh, you got the social <laughs> contracts going? We do, yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah, I was working out during his ghostwriting cohort yesterday. That's why I'm, I turned my video off. I was like working out in the room while I was listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> leveraging your time. Uh, leveraging the time, man. But uh, yeah, back to the desire. Like, you know, when, when you don't have a lot of money, it's very hard to say, I'm just going to like relinquish the desire to need money. Mm-hmm. it's just like it's so much harder than people think like people are like no i don't need money like i'm okay off it's like 5k a month i think most of those people are kind of fooling themselves they would like secretly desire more money now that i'm at like 50k a month like that desire is just not here yeah because you adapt right yeah and as long as you check yourself you don't start desiring dumb shit i would say like 
you know, I really want to buy a Lamborghini one day, not because I want the status, but because ever since I was a kid, I've always loved the Lambo and almost no one knows what it's like to own their dream car. Yeah. But I want to like, actually know what that's like to be like, I got mine. Right. I might even only own it for three years and then I'll sell it. Cause like at that point, like I won't have the desire anymore, Mm -hmm. but that's just it. Like I almost look at my next path in life as what desires do I need to check off so I can feel more at peace. Mm. You know, like, do it, do I have the desire to maybe like impress people? Okay. Where does that come from? Is that because I feel like I have a lack of status, a lack of money. If I could overcome that desire, then I'd be more at peace in the present moment. The money one's a big one. The girlfriend's a big one. The family life's a big one. For some people, the house and the car is a big one. I almost look at like this stage of my life as how do I just cross as many of those off so I can just live in the present moment and be happier with like what I have today and not wish I had more tomorrow. Yeah, I'm in a very similar headspace. And it's actually funny because this morning I was doing like a January recap journaling session just because I was like, you know what, I've been... I've been in this new spot for about a month in San Francisco. And my goal for the month of January was like, I just want to grow a following on Twitter. And I thought that's like all that I cared about. And now that I've kind of grown this following, it's like, damn, like it doesn't even mean anything to me right now. So it's like, we just get a debt. We, we have our problems. Dan Co talked about this in, in a video recently. He's like, your purpose is your problem. Like you, every morning you yeah. wake up and you solve that problem. And then there's new problems that are, that are going to present themselves. So like, February, my new thing is like, all right, I want to scale my ghostwriting agency. And right now it's like, I have that desire to make this money, but once you get it, obviously it's satisfied. And then once you satisfy all these desires, then you can live present. But I think the challenge is like trying to live presently throughout the entire process, throughout the entire journey. Very hard to do. Very hard, man. Like, um, this is something that I've thought for a while and this idea doesn't resonate with very many people. So I must not have found a way to package it correctly. But you know, I'll run it by you is, you know, as a guy in my early twenties, I actually think, or at that time, like the best thing you can do is eliminate as much unnecessary suffering for yourself as possible. You want to remove as much of the things that you didn't choose to suffer through as you possibly can within your power. So like, for example, let's say that you really struggled to like go get a girlfriend and uh, you're overweight and chicks like, I just like, I want someone who's more fit. Well, that's within your control. That's an unnecessary suffering that you're going through. Yeah. So if you just get more fit, now you don't suffer in that way. Same with the money is like, ah, like I don't have enough money. So I'm struggling to eat what I want to be healthier. That's like a form of suffering and the desire will alleviate the suffering. But if you choose the right actions today, you can actually alleviate a majority of the things that you don't have to suffer for. Like they're basically optional sufferings. And your purpose can start to be more about service, fulfillment, and presence, and less about a lack of. So it's like moving from, oh, I lack a good body. I lack, you know, um, resources. I lack the house. I lack the network. I lack the friends. And it starts to move more to, I have everything I need. What do I want to give? Mm -hmm. And I think there's an interesting transition that we can make in for me, it'll be in my thirties. Yes. Like I've overcome all of the unnecessary suffering I have to do. And now I'm going to suffer for the things that are worthwhile that I choose to suffer for. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it makes complete sense. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about like, as a man, you're not inherently born with value. Like you have to create, you have to become someone of value and you do that becoming a, by becoming a well-rounded person. Like in your personal life, in your social skills, with your finances and resources, in the gym with your body, like 
as a man, like you can actually become a high valuable man if you put in the work day to day. And that's something I talk about, like, and I got this a lot from uh, this guy on YouTube. His name's First Man. Have you heard of him? No, I haven't heard of him, actually. Super interesting guy. He's a self-improvement YouTuber. I just got into him recently. I've been like binge consuming his content. But he talks about this concept called the male advantage. And at first it sounds like misogynistic, but he doesn't mean it in that way. It means like as a man, like your your value in the dating market is determined by your resources, status, money, looks, et cetera. And yeah, as yeah. a man, you don't peak in those categories until you're like 32 to 36. And so from those yeah. years on, like you can live your dream life. But the problem is most people... And I was in this mindset up until like this year, like that your 20s, your early 20s, like late high school, early college, like that's the pinnacle of your life. And you should just enjoy it and party and live it up while you can because everything's downhill after that. But in reality, the people who are able to use their 20s to build their body, build their business, build their mind, build their social skills, they're the ones who are going to live the greatest lives from their 30s on. And that's what he talks about in this concept, like the male advantage. Yeah, dude, that, that's huge. Like you just think about it as you either think, okay, the I'm in my early twenties, the best time of my life is now, and then it's going to get worse. Yeah. Or you think like life's just going to get better every year. Yeah. Like, like which one is just a healthier, more useful belief, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's so much more useful to be like, I think every year my life could be a little bit better. Exactly. Like, fuck man, that's empowering. Like, I don't want to think that now that I'm getting close to 30, my life's going to get worse. Like in in my experience, my life has gotten better every single year, hands down. Like, and that just comes down to our choices today, right? Like what we do today is going to determine how we feel one year, two years from now. Exactly. We all have that choice. Right. And it's like sacrificing a bit in the present moment for this future date, but doing so while still enjoying the present moment is something that I'm trying to struggle with because in college right now, like obviously people have a great time going out, partying, et cetera. And I think there's definitely a time and place for that, but to do uncommon things later in your life in your thirties and like really have this freedom and live this life with your family that we're talking about. I think that through your twenties, you have to act differently than everybody else. If you want a different outcome, like you can't be the guy who's going out four times a week, getting blacked out. You can't be you can't be this, this type of party person. So it's like this sacrifice, but it's learning to enjoy it too. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's like a man's search for meaning is one of my favorite books of all time. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've read that one. It's uh, half of it. I need to finish that book just like rocks me to my soul. And just like the whole idea of finding meaning in the suffering and like finding something worth suffering for, Mm -hmm. I think is just so powerful, man. Like so, so powerful. And like one of the things you said that I think is really important for the modern generation to understand is like, you know what the paradox of choice is? No. And like heard of it. So yeah, the paradox of choice is that people think freedom is in choices when it's not actually true because the more choices you have, the less happy people tend to be with their choices. It's like when you go to a restaurant, imagine if there's only six things on the menu and you look at it and you're like, I know that I'm going to like this one the best and you're happy with your choice. Right. Or if there's a hundred things on the menu and you're like, what if I would have liked this better? Or what if I would have liked this better? Yes. And we really see this in today's dating market, especially social media, like open it up to the whole world. And now everyone has this paradox of choice of, okay, well, if I choose to date this person, like what if I would have been happier here? And what if I would have had this? What if I would have had this? But one thing you alluded to 
is once you get clarity on what you actually want, a lot of your choices are automatically made for you, which sounds deterministic, but it's true. If you want to have a good body, there are a certain number of things you have to do or you yeah. will not get that outcome. Yes. Like, you know, there's certain desired actions. If you want to go like get a girlfriend, there's certain things you have to do to get the desired outcome. If you want to build a Twitter business or a personal brand, there's certain things you have to do to get the desired outcome. So once you get clarity on what you actually want, which is step one, and you're not just doing what your parents told you to do, society told you to do, or what your friend circle is influencing you to do, when you strip those influences, you'll realize that there's really not as much choice as you thought there was. Mm-hmm. There's just a very narrow amount of choice in a specific domain to get the result that you want. It's, I think it's really important for people to understand. Like you, you don't have as much choice as you think. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, I mean, I think you're kind of alluding to this, like eliminating bullshit, like and focusing yes. in on a few things that really matter. So to me, it's like right now, it's basically just like fitness, growing on Twitter and I want to start monetizing this ghostwriting agency. Anything else yes. is a distraction. Like, yes, it's very easy for people to be like, oh, like what, what club should we go to this weekend? Or like, there's so many choices of things to do on this day. Mm-hmm. Like what bar should we go to? What restaurant? What movie should I watch tonight on Netflix? But if you're just so centered in on your goals and your vision, like those choices mm-hmm. get minimized and it's like, okay, like I'm, I know what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to read and go to bed early because I committed to the gym the next day. So like having those clear goals is like, it eliminates decisions. I love that. Yeah, that's exactly it, man. And I like your, your framing is probably a better way of saying it than my random philosophical approach to it. But uh, it's true. Like a lot of everything else is a distraction. And I think a lot of people take this too seriously. Like I was watching a YouTube video the other day, or maybe it was a short or something. And this fitness guy's like, I'm just cutting out all my fucking friends. Like, I just don't have time for shitty people or people wasting my time. Like, they're just a distraction. It's like, well, like, you don't really have to shit on them, man. It's just that you have different goals. Mm -hmm. Like, you, what those people want to do day to day just doesn't align with where you want to go. Like, why does, why does that mean that they're lesser than you or they're shitty people? Or like, when you say they're a distraction, like, yeah, that's technically true, but you don't really mean it in like this bad, ill-intended way. Because for somebody else, that might be their purpose. Mm -hmm. But like, it's, you're so right uh, where like those sacrifices become meaningful. Those, this, the distractions that you shouldn't be spending your time on become more obvious, but it all starts with clarity and people I've noticed like getting closer to 30, my friends that are not willing to truly like just go all in on something and commit because like commitment tends to be talked about in terms of relationships, but it's talked about in terms of purpose as well. Like it applies mm-hmm. like you're committing to becoming a personal brand. And there's sacrifice that comes with that, but it's meaningful. Like anyone who isn't able to commit to like an idea, a path, a goal is always going to be like anxious and aimless with their life. And that's just not like a good fulfilling life to live. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, with you traveling around and like you're in Colombia, like you're traveling the world right now. How are you minimizing distractions and staying focused while still enjoying it? It's shockingly easy because of the people I have around me. Like uh, Dakota and I, the past seven days, we've been in this Airbnb mm-hmm. and we've left once to go for dinner. Like, that's it. Like we wake up in the morning and we're literally, cause we're like all about like right now we're making money. We're in money acquisition mode. We're in impact acquisition mode. Like I'm doing more impact personal brand. So we wake up, we look at each other. We're like time to grab a bag. Like, let's go. Yeah. And we just get to work. And I find when I'm back home, 
and people are like going out for lunch and they're like doing all this kind of stuff. It's easier to be distracted here. I'm just like on calls with guys like you. And it's like, you know, we're building personal brand talking about that. I'm hanging out with Dakota where he's sitting there working. Like if our buddy Liam comes down, like he's going to be working all day. Like that environmental influence is so important. Like Mm -hmm. don't try to fight it. Just hang around with people. They're naturally doing what you're doing. So you just start doing it more. Yeah. And it's, it just happens, man. Like it's, I don't know. We don't have any FOMO. We're not like, ah, we should have gone out tonight or imagine all the places we could have ate. It's like, we're just focused on our work. And it's awesome. We go to bed happy, fulfilled, tired, but like in a good way. Right. You're kind of locked in and doing this monk mode thing. I love it. Um, But it is, it's so important, like who you surround yourself with. And when the people you're surrounded with are doing the same thing as you, it just gives you so much more clarity on what you're doing. Like, you know, Matt Mick, right? He was, I think he was one of your writers. Um, Yeah. Yeah. He's one of the guys that left me. (laughs) Ah, damn. Yeah. Fair. You know, you got to be happy when people do that though. It, there's yeah. like a bittersweet thing to it. It's like, it sucks, but also like, I'm happy this person's going on to do like their own things and, they're, and he's going to do great. He's, he's already a better writer than me. So he's going to do fantastic, but sorry, go on. Yeah. Well, yeah. My point was kind of like similar to you and Dakota, like you guys are a different level. Like you're literally living in the same place, like probably talking about this stuff all the time, but he lives in a suburb of San Francisco. And so we've been hanging out a bunch out here. And it's like, whenever we're hanging out, like, I just feel like, we just both grow more and more because we just shoot ideas off each other. We're both so locked in on the same goal. Whereas yeah. I kind of have this conflict of interest sometimes with like classmates because the, yeah. like I'm in some group projects and their number one goal is like, how do we get an A on this group project? And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, I don't care at all. Yeah. Like, I will do yeah. my work and contribute and help, but like our visions are different or it's like, they're like oh it's the weekend now like let's all go out like my whole class is going out but it's like damn I feel like I'm missing out but if I was just surrounded by people doing the same thing as us like I wouldn't feel that so I mean I definitely want to work towards that eventually I only have a year left of college but um yeah it's it's definitely super valuable to hang around the people doing the same stuff as you oh for sure and people that are like ahead of you like Dakota's way ahead of me man like it's, it's crazy when people are like you and Dakota are on this level. I'm like, dude, fuck. He's like way ahead of me, dude. Like the shit that he's doing and implementing, like, I don't want to say any of it, but it's fucking crazy. The shit he's working on. It's absolutely yeah. nuts. And it's inspiring. Cause you know, like one thing we haven't talked about is like procrastination or mm-hmm. the thinking we're not ready to do the goal. Like I've been meaning to launch a newsletter for a while, but I'm pretty big on focus. Like I need to focus on one thing at a time and not spread myself too thin because then quality drops. Mm-hmm. And every day Dakota's like, yo, if you launch that newsletter, I'm like, I, I don't know if it's time. He's like, what, an hour a week? Like, w- what are you doing? Like, dude, like, don't go for dinner one night out and just write it. And yeah. like, it's just like, fuck, he's so right. Like, it, it, there's just so much like things we say, we, we should put that off to the future. We can't do that now. We've all these beliefs um dude here's one i love this this like resonates with me so much when i was in dubai hanging out with liam uh i don't i can't really do well with caffeine it gives me a lot of brain fog so Mm -hmm. i don't drink like red bull anymore i don't actually have almost any caffeine i'm like completely dry from it because i cannot write when i've had caffeine it's weird it gives me brain fog man and it just makes it like 10 times harder which sucks because i love coffee it's it's fantastic but i can't drink it because then i'm not productive and I was in huh. Dubai and we, uh, we had this degenerate day, man, where we, we started buying Red Bulls and then like, we all had one in the morning and then Liam's like, 
I'm going to have a second one, boy. Like, done this weird voice, and he cracks it. And then Dakota's like, looks like we're all having two. And then, you know, Dakota's like, time for a third one. And then I'm just like, time for a fourth one. And we've, like, had four Red Bulls, and it's in the morning. It's being an idiot. It's, like, not healthy at all. Yeah. And then I start getting this crazy brain fog, and I'm having trouble writing. So I'm just like, man, I think I'm just going to, like, chill for a bit. I can't write. And Liam's like, is that a fact? I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? He's like, well, mm-hmm. it sounds like a belief to me, and it sounds like a really shitty one. Right. And I was like, fuck. Like, I just kind of like sat there and was like, how much stuff do I tell myself that is just a belief that is not serving me? Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's crazy. Like how much we do that. Like me saying, oh, like I don't have time for a newsletter yet. I need to like check myself. Like, is that actually true? Or am yeah. I just not making time? Like, oh, I don't have time to write threads for my account this week. Is that actually true? Like we just believe these fucking stories we tell ourselves all the time. Yes. But until you get around those people that are like, dude, like, what are you waiting for? Like, no, keep writing. Like, who cares if you have brain fog? You did it to yourself. Keep fucking writing. You don't get to take a break. Right. Fuck, he's right. Who says I can't write just because I have brain fog? It might not be the best writing, but I can still write. Yeah. Like, who says I don't have enough time to do a newsletter? Maybe I do. And, and you know, maybe it's true. Maybe you don't actually have enough time. The important point of it is, like, questioning that stuff and really, like, checking yourself on those beliefs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think there's a quote, it's like the, the scariest beliefs are the ones that we don't even know we have. And that's why it's so important yeah. to have those people around you that are going to question your beliefs, because sometimes we're blind yeah. to our own beliefs because we're biased, we're self-centered, we have emotions that are clouding our judgment. But when somebody yeah. from the outside is able to objectively look at you and be like, dude, like, that's just the limiting belief you have. It's like, wow, like, I never thought about yeah. it that way. Um, like, I, I have a bunch myself that I'm trying to to consciously fix. Like one of the ones I have is like, okay, I got to go to the gym really early today because I have class and I have to write and do all this stuff. And it's like, damn, yeah. I don't have any caffeine. Like, how am I going to do this? But it's like, I don't need caffeine to go work out. Right. That's yeah. just a belief I'm yeah. holding in my head. So it's like, yeah, just trying to break down those beliefs and trying to be reliant on as little stuff as possible. Like Alex Ramosi talks about like, yeah. like, these people have all these woo woo morning routines about like, I need to meditate, like cold shower, all this stuff. And I do like doing that stuff, but the best morning routine is when you're not reliant on anything. You just can wake up and work. Like I want to be the person that I can work in a coffee shop. I can work in my room. I can work on a train. I can work on a plane or a bus. Like, but we put these beliefs in our head, like, Oh, I can only work when I'm in this environment, or I can only write when I have like, and when I'm fasted and I have like a white monster next to me, like that's, <laughs> that's one of the yeah. ones I have right now. So it's like, yeah, trying yeah. to break through these beliefs, like one by one and having people to check you. So important. Dude, so important, man. And we live in a society now that like culture is very much about affirming beliefs. It's not about challenging them. Yeah. Like that's what I, that's what I see a lot in culture is always like what you believe is okay. Like what you believe is you, like that's your truth. Personally, I'm like, that's a load of shit. Yeah, man. Like you, there's beliefs that are useful and beliefs that are not like, is your belief serving you and your goals or not? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care if you think it's your truth. Like, is it actually making your life better? Right. Like that's like, there's all this, uh, you know, I did a tweet. I think it might've even gone out today about like identity attachment or maybe I did it yesterday, but so many people were like, so what I should just like not care about anything. And I should just like, not this, or like, you know, how, how am I like supposed to think I'm not successful? It's like, why do you even need to think you're successful? this kind of goes back to the first question you asked me today about like, you know, as you're starting to get like a personal brand and all this stuff, like, how do you feel about it? It's like, why does it have to matter? 
Yeah. Why do I have to give it all this importance and like attach myself to it? Even our positive beliefs, like why should I even have an attachment to like a positive belief that I am capable of making money? Like this gets like kind of meta and really philosophical, but Aubrey Marcus said this on a podcast once he goes, you know, I like wearing the Aubrey Marcus meat suit. I like being the CEO. I like being the incredible husband. But when you strip all that stuff down, like I just am. Like I am. Like at the core of all of what we are, like we're so complex. Mm-hmm. Why do we take these tiny little things and make them all of who we are? Like you, you kind of get what I'm trying to say. It's kind of yeah. meta. So it's a little hard sometimes to understand, but like, I'm a brother, I'm a writer, I'm a business owner, I'm a traveler, I'm a son. Maybe one day I'll be a father. You know, I like philosophy. Does that make me a philosopher? Like I just named off eight things off the top of my head. And when you talk to most people, they're like, I'm a businessman, I'm a CEO. And they just so heavily attach to these things and these beliefs and these identities. It's like, well, you're a lot of things. Like why the attachment? Mm -hmm. Like why not just be? Right. I think it's the ego. I think like we hold on to this sense of self and this self sense of identity. And I felt that I didn't realize I felt it until I really was able to like step out of this, this egotistical state, I guess. Like my whole life, I had been this athlete. I was just like this football player. Right. And it wasn't until I was contemplating like, okay, am I still going to do this? That, you know, this is why I think psychedelics are so important also like not to get too woo woo, but So I took psychedelics, I took mushrooms by myself and it made me step back and realize like, damn, I'm attaching my entire identity to like this sport. Like, I think it's giving me like all this status. It's like who I am, but in reality, it's actually limiting to label yourself as one thing or to even have other people label you as one thing. Cause like you said, we're so multifaceted and complex. And like, that's why when people ask like, what do you do? Or like, who are you? I don't want to really be able to like give a clear cut answer, right? Like if you mm-hmm. ask Dan Co, like what he does, like he said it, he's like, I don't know what to tell people that I do because he's so well-rounded and multifaceted. And I, I think right. that's something to strive for. Dude, it is. And what a lot of people don't talk about is how much happier and peace of mind you get when you reduce those attachments. Mm-hmm. Like, um, dude, this is where I learned this from. This is so weird was that I watched a podcast with Dan Bilzerian of all people. I don't even yeah. like follow Dan Bilzerian. I don't, I don't really care about that guy at all, yeah. but I, for some reason I watched it. And um, throughout the entire thing, people were like, Hey, like, can I ask you this? Like, Hey, I don't mean to like offend you. This is what people are saying. And he just goes, you can ask me anything. Like, it's fine. Like he was completely unfazed by anyone attacking him, any questions they asked him. And he was just like present. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so fascinating. Like how, like there's so many people that if you just, said something they didn't believe in their emotions just go crazy like they just freak out right and they're like you can't challenge my beliefs and then you have this guy like dan bilzerian who you could say literally anything to the guy and he's just like doesn't matter stoic and he's just yeah kind of like stoic but even in like the stimulus man like he's not even like triggered by it that's a whole other level because there's one thing to be triggered by a stimulus and then cope with it it's another thing to not even have the stimulus right you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that comes from attachment and just not holding on to like who we are and these labels and these beliefs so strong and just being like, yeah, everything's in flux. Like I'm learning new things. Like if, if there's new evidence, I'm willing to like, let that go. Like other people are different from me and like their beliefs are different, but it works for them and that's okay. Yeah. And I just think there's so much more peace and happiness found in our lives when we do that. 
and then you know I'll, I'll give the one dichotomy to this is people will be like so what you just like aren't attached to anything i think that's too extreme i think we it is right to attach to things but be aware of the risk that we're taking like mm -hmm. let's say i was to get married and i'm or relationships actually just in general is really good for this is to have like a true healthy relationship involves vulnerability yeah. like being truly open with someone and knowing you could get rejected like i'm going to show you who i am i'm going to completely open up and if you reject me it's not like when you approach some girl on the street and you're like hitting on her and she rejects you ah she doesn't even know me it's a completely other level when you are completely yourself to someone and you still get rejected because now you're truly rejected for who you are and if you were to attach yourself to that person and like risk being rejected by them, like maybe you date them for five years and they don't love you anymore and they leave you, that's really risky. And that's going to cause a lot of emotional flux, but there's also a lot of beauty in that risk. And yes. there's a lot of incredible experiences that you could have. So I think there's definitely value in attachment. I just think people are attaching to really dumb things. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, to be honest, that's kind of the whole idea of the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson, isn't it? Like, stop caring about dumb stuff. Like, right. Attach to things that truly matter and be willing to lose and sacrifice for those things, knowing that it's meaningful. Like, I think that's really fucking cool. Yeah, no, I totally agree, dude. And I love you have so many good mental models and like frameworks for looking at the world. So I guess the, la the last question, I know we've been going on for a while here, but Last question is like, would you ever consider potentially writing a book yourself? I tried it once. <laughs> I did. Um, it, I'm one of those people that's like super obsessive. <laughs> My ex used to be like, don't call yourself that. It's so unattractive. I'm like, I am though. Like whenever I'm really into something, uh, I just am like fucking all in. So yeah. I couldn't sleep and it like took over my life. I was still working my nine to five. I, I'm open to it if the right time comes and I have the right idea. I don't know if you're aware of how like Mark Manson and them wrote their books, like him, James Clear and um, Morgan Housel, who wrote The Psychology of Money. They actually split tested every chapter on socials and newsletters. Really? Fucking genius, man. Genius. So many people are like, I have a book idea, so I'm just going to write it. And I think people are going to like it. They went as far to say every chapter that I think people will like, I'm going to write about it on socials and newsletter first. And only when something gets a lot of engagement, am I going to write that chapter? that's why those books are so fucking good yeah yeah because it's like in marketing or sales when you like you have an idea for who your ideal customer is and what they want but you don't actually go talk to them like you have to actually go talk and get real world feedback that's such a genius way to approach i i never knew that yeah man like james clear i was listening to him on a podcast he goes i originally wanted to write a lot about deliberate practice and how when you sit down to practice, it's not about the hours you put in. It's about how focused and intentional you are with the hours. But every time he wrote about it, people didn't really care. Yes. So it became a very small part of the book that he lightly touched on. And then he moved on where he originally would have made mm -hmm. it a couple chapters. So like just that alone, you're like, fuck, man, these guys are smart. So yeah. if I was to write a book, it would have to be later where I have the ability to truly try to make something that I think could help people. Not something that I'm like, ah, I think this is, this is cool for me. So I'm going to write about it. It would have to be, I think this shit is really valuable. And how could I package it and market test it and split test it the whole way mm -hmm. to create a book that would stand the test of time. And yeah. if I could do that with the right resources and the right team, then I would do it.
Right. And they kind of did it through their personal blogs and newsletters. And like now maybe yeah. you're the next evolution or like whoever is with Twitter and the personal brand, because you're the first step there. Now you have people reading your stuff. Now you can split test. You can see what ideas work. Yeah. So the, the option is there. It sounds like. Yeah. You know, in the future um, it's, it's really crazy when people tell me I'm already there. Cause like, I still consider myself so small. Yeah. I think like, uh, the business success people know me of kind of colors their perceptions of like my brand. Maybe I don't, I don't look at myself as like a big creator. It's kind of like weird to hear that, but um, there's a lot, I'm in a growth stage right now, man. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think you're going to pass me soon too. Honestly, you and like a bunch of people in Dakota's cohort. I think you guys are going to annihilate me in the next year. Um, and that's humbling, dude. You guys are killing it. I love your shit. I read your stuff. I'm like, fuck, I wish I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. That's, that's actually crazy to hear. I, I really appreciate that. Cause I feel like, I feel like at every stage of the journey, this kind of goes back to imposter syndrome. It's like, I have no idea, no idea what I'm doing. I'm just figuring it out as I go. But it's like, every time yeah. you level up, whether it's in life, relationships, business, et cetera, like fitness, like the imposter syndrome is going to be inevitable. Like yeah. by reaching a new level, like you actually become somewhat of a different person. And it's uncomfortable at first because we get so set in our beliefs and so set in our identities that once we change them, it's like, okay, now I actually have to change a lot about myself to like adopt this new belief. Right. Dude, 100%. Like, fuck, I had a really good question, uh, but I kind of lost it. Nah, it's gone now. It's gone. Maybe it comes no back, worries. but no, I, I, I do agree with you. There's a, yeah, there's so much there, you know, like I, I would kind of end this off by saying, you know, we talked a lot about like business, personal brand growth and all that stuff. It's, um, it's one piece of the pie, man. Like, yeah, it's like, we, we've talked a lot about presence and peace. And I was on a space with Dakota the other day and what's his name? Nick, Nick, something, I think the copywriter, I don't know if you were in that space, but I was not, I, I really love Naval's idea of peace. And to me, I used to think peace was being like a monk where you're calm all the time and you're like sitting there meditating and you're like, I'm at peace. I'm like, I'm here. But when I heard this guy talk, he was so fucking captivating, dude. Like every word he said, I was like, I want to meet this guy. Like, mm -hmm. I want to like get to know this guy. And he never said this, but it was something I picked up on from the way he spoke was peace is being able to enjoy the present moment. If you are focused in the present moment, you are at peace. Mm -hmm. And I think when we talked about eliminating the undue suffering, a lot of suffering comes from thinking about ourselves. Mm -hmm. If you're out and you're like, I'm overweight right now, um, I wish I wasn't overweight or you're at the beach. Maybe it's like, I don't want to take my shirt off because I'm at the beach and I'm overweight. If you're causing unnecessary suffering. You can't be in the present moment. You're not at peace. Yes. If you're like, Oh, like I'm making a lot of money, but I don't have a whole lot of time. Like I'm so bogged down. I can't stop thinking about how stressed I am. You're not at peace. You can't enjoy the present moment. So I think the goal of trying to figure out how to live your life. So you wake up every day and you're not busy focusing on what you wish was different. That's a fucking worthwhile goal, man. If you can live a life that you don't wish was any different than it was, that's yeah. really cool. And that yeah. doesn't mean you're not improving. People misunderstand that. They're like, well, you should always be improving. It's like, of course you should. But you can improve not from a place of lack, but just for the fact of like, that's being human. There's always another mountain to climb. We adapt. We have to be improving. Yes. But that improvement doesn't have to come from a scarcity mindset and a place of lack and not being enough. It can come from just playing the game of being human to play the game because that's yeah. what it means. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's that's a great place to end it off. You're reminding me of Naval right now. Like you're you're, you're speaking <laughs> like him a little bit. 
Um, but dude, this what? was a this was a really cool conversation, like super insightful. I I learned a ton just about like how your mind works and um like where the where this game leads to. So I really appreciate you coming on here. This was this this was sick. Dude, appreciate you having me. Dakota's like, I literally asked him, I said, who is like the biggest account next to me on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, Jack Moses. He's like, 100%. He's like, Jack Moses is in 12 months going to be one of the biggest accounts on Twitter. And he tells it to me every day. And I finally was like, okay, who the fuck is this guy? So I like <laughs> looked you up and I was like, oh, fuck, he follows me. That's really cool. So then I was like, I hit you up. I'm like, dude, I need to talk to you because like Dakota cannot like say enough of your praise. Like he, he says you are like the shit, like one of the dopest dudes on Twitter. So I'm, I'm really honored that we got the chat, man, because I definitely look up to you a lot too. That is mind blowing to hear because like just a month ago, I had like a thousand followers and not that the followers yeah. matter, but it's just like hearing that from him who I used to look up to, like as this like celebrity figure, like that's, that's mind blowing, but I still got to, I got to keep going, just focusing on the inputs every day. And then we'll see yeah. where we're at in a year. I'm, I'm excited to see for both of us what what this next year looks like dude me too it's gonna be really exciting uh, i'm stoked that we connected and i'm just stoked to see what we both do in the next 12 months hopefully yeah you'll be out here with dakota and i pretty soon hopefully, if you bro. dude if you have summer break off from school you got to come fly out and stay with us for a bit we're gonna we're gonna do like a twitter house 100 percent. that's actually so funny you said that because right now the plan is to live with like matt and like josh and tyler and some of these guys in some south american country so We'll have yeah, to, we're going to have to stay in touch about it. That'll be sick. Yeah. We'll kick Josh out of there, but yeah, let's do it, man. That'd be <laughs> sick. Damn. Yeah, I, I got to stop like ripping off. I actually love Josh. He was one of the first people I brought on my team and he's an absolute beauty. And that's why I rip on him so much, but sometimes I feel bad. So whenever I rip on him too much, I give him leads. <laughs> you give him leads, dude. Yeah. That yeah. guy, that guy is hilarious. <laughs> like he's one of the genuinely like most funny accounts I follow on Twitter while also giving a ton yeah. of value. Like he, he's great. Yeah, dude, he, he's awesome. I absolutely love the guy. To hang out with all of you guys for, uh, for a month would be fucking legendary. So yeah, let's make it happen. Let's do it. Sick. Well, I appreciate you, bro. Cool. Yeah, you too, man. We'll chat again soon.